Welcome to The Art of Badassery, where I explore what it takes to live life on your own terms, break free from the status quo, and unleash your inner badass. Whether you're a rebel at heart or simply seeking inspiration to step outside your comfort zone, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and each week I dive into the stories, insights, and strategies of those who have mastered the art of badassery and are living life to the fullest. They smile when no one is looking. Welcome everyone to The Art of Badassery, the podcast that celebrates individuals who have fearlessly pursued their dreams, defied societal norms, and embraced their true power. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and today I've got an amazing guest joining us. She is a true embodiment of resilience, courage, and unapologetic badassery. Please welcome Aya Hojadova. Aya, born in Turkmenistan, raised in the vibrant streets of San Francisco, and now residing in the enchanting city of Charleston, South Carolina, has forged her path as a commercial realtor. She's recently emerged as an inspiring author. Her debut book, Getting Lost in the Sauce, takes us on a transformative journey that breaks free from the confines of a corporate nine-to-five existence and dives headfirst into the depths of self-discovery. Her story is a testament to the power of finding one's voice and reclaiming personal power. Through her experiences, she unveils the art of badassery, showing us how to navigate life's twists and turns with grace, resilience, and an unwavering belief in ourselves. Join us as we explore being badass with Aya, a beacon of inspiration for all those seeking to break free from conformity and live on their own terms. Get ready to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained. Aya, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here, Mahara. Thank you. We are going to have so much fun today. So we talked a lot before I hit the record button, and it was very interesting how things that happened to you when you were very little kind of repeated themselves throughout your life. So I'm wondering if you can take us back to being in fourth grade and what you discovered about yourself. And we'll start there. Yeah, let's go back to, um, let's travel into the past, right? Um, So fourth grade, I was in Turkmenistan. And, you know, the question you asked was, when did you first, one of the first times you discovered you were a badass? And fourth grade was definitely um, a memorable time for me, because I would run around uh, during play playtime, playground, I guess. um, um, And um, I would start seeing all these bullies get uh, start picking all the underdogs and all the little kids who couldn't um, protect themselves. So it's just like, we're not going to have this. I'm not taking this. Like this, there's just so much injustice happening. Like this is not fair. Um, so I ended up becoming the bully's bully. I would bully the bullies and I'm like, this is not cool. I would call them out on it and they would try to fight back and with words. Um, and I would really find ways to put them in their place and tell them if they had a problem with whoever in school, they had to go through me first. And um, that was the very first time I learned. I'm like, oh, cool. I don't like to take crap from anybody. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm curious, did that only show up in school or was that something that you developed and learned how to do at home or with family? Oof. You know, I was always, uh, I, I will definitely say I was a rebel um, pretty much all of my life. I grew up in a very um, 
closed off culture. So to be a Turkmen woman is almost like being a third class citizen. At least it is for me uh, from a Turkmen woman perspective. Um, and so I was always kind of told like I had to abide by all these rules and had to conform. So I rebelled, but because I was so young in such a closed off culture, I almost felt like it was one like million versus one. You know, I just felt like my odds of winning there were very low or my chances of winning any arguments were very low. So I don't feel like I controlled, I had much control and power to stand up for myself in on the personal family side of things versus school, where it's just like me, my identity, I am Aya, I ghoul, um, I'm just going to go and do me versus home. It's like, ugh, now I have to abide by whatever the parents say the rules are, which is listen to what they have to say. Not cool. <laughs> so... Thank you for sharing that story. And I, I recall being young and I was very, um, I don't, I don't think I was ever bullied, but I, I didn't stand up for myself. I didn't really stand up for anybody. I was a little bit, I was kind of afraid to do that. You know, I didn't find my voice until, I don't know, 50 years later, but I think it's, I think it's great that you, you had that exposure so early to the understanding and had the understanding that life isn't fair right? Um, so you left and moved to America when you were just a young girl. Talk to us about how that transpired and how it felt coming from, from the culture that you, that you grew up in. Yeah. So Turkmen culture, again, like very closed off. Women had to follow the rules, listen to the, the main person in the household. Um, so I grew up in, um, I was raised by a single mom. So I had to listen to my mom. She was an amazing uh, mother. She raised us well, my, my brother and I. Um, so the culture itself, though, was just very closed off. And I had to learn to rebel against that or um, find ways not to identify with that. It took me a really long time to find that identity and embrace even being a Turkmen. But when I came to America, like a whole new world just opened up for me because now America is freedom right like you can freedom of expression um freedom of speech that was just such a foreign thing for me and when we came to america we actually we moved to san francisco the most diverse melting pot of diversity right like it, it, with race sexuality everything gender um so it was it was an amazing experience but even then like um i moved to america i was 11 years old go to middle school sixth grade first year no English. I, I I come to America fresh off, don't know how to speak English, don't know anything. Going to middle school the very first uh, month, I, again, just bullies like find me and my new friends who also like just managed to somehow communicate between each other um, without really learning how to speak English. <laughs> so bullies would find me and my friends and then start picking on my friends. And again, I had to find ways to communicate and express and protect my friends and also protect the crew, I guess, you know? <laughs> so yeah, just again, second time, or I guess first time in America where I found myself um, in that position where the bully's bully had to show up again and just, okay, put people in their place, regardless of your lack uh, at that moment, find ways to protect yourself. 
So, so I'm curious. I've got this picture of this little 11 year old girl just putting her dukes up. Was yeah. this something? Did did you become a fighter per se, physical fighter, or was this more verbal, or was it completely nonverbal? Because to your point, you didn't actually you didn't even know English at that time. Yeah. So I think it was definitely. Uh, this was not a physical altercation. Um, this was nonverbal, verbal communication, nonverbal, verbal, um, in the most English way, basic English communication possible. That I, I don't even know how it all happened. It's just been so long ago, but I just remember it because I really do remember the bullies coming into us and they were like picking on us. And I was just like, nope, we're not going to have this. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So amazing. So I'm curious if I were to, if we were to interview some of your friends from grade school, how would you, how do you think they would describe you? This like this question just popped into my head, but. No, li li they literally would say badass. Very first thing that would come out, badass. Because I'm always, and I was thinking about it today. Like I was thinking about our interview, um, you know, our session today. I'm like, okay, well, what does badass really mean? it's sure like there's parts of you that are rebellious but what are, does it really mean and to me like really what came up was courage like you it takes courage to do something like to take action like that impulsive uh feeling that you have within yourself right and it takes courage to go and act on that thing and like that to me is badass like knowing that you you most likely are freaking terrified and scared of the thing but you're going to go and do that thing anyway that's freaking badass that is that badass. takes right that's badass so I'm glad that you brought that up um let's talk about what courage means to you and how you've seen it played out over the years if you can give us some examples and just share with us because it's interesting I just want to say that I ask all my guests about badassery and not everybody brings up courage but you did so I want to go there let's go there I can tell you I'm more than happy to tell you but it goes back to tying to Turkmen culture so again Turkmen culture teaches women to abide by the rules the rules are stay quiet don't communicate no laughing no showing off skin you cannot do this and that right there's just so many rules but again most of it is you are groomed to be married right it's very similar to the uh, Indian culture um so that's that's your only purpose on in life as a Turkmen woman. Um, so the fact that you have an opinion uh, is already frowned upon. You're 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 a bad woman. You're you're a terrible woman. Yeah, just for existing and speaking, or even speaking your own um, opinion. So that is what I had to overcome and work on my entire life <laughs> to get to this position of one I had to step into that power of you know what my opinion matters my voice matters my experience matters my my story matters and I want to share it with everybody who is willing to listen and hear me That's and okay. that took years it took almost all my life to get there um and so that was the courage that I had to really step into, right? To address of like, okay, well, all these people, this this entire country, the, the the people that I'm accustomed to mentally think of are going to judge me. My the my people are going to judge me if I do this and this and this. So I had to step into that and say, you know what? No one's paying your bills but me. 
No one's paying the roof under this head but me. This life that we're living, this is all me. Screw everybody off and just go do that thing. Like live your life, you know? So I had to go through this whole reprogramming. And with that journey, of course, there were other like uh, impactful things that happened. And I kind of mentioned that in my book. I go through a divorce, go through, um, I get fired from my corporate job. So I go through this whole like depression just to really, again, like it's almost like a rebirth, second chance at life to go really, again, step into that courage. Again, this time though, live your life the way you want to. Okay, so... First of all, yay, I love your story, but I want to just jump in and go back to something that you mentioned earlier, a, a word that pops comes up quite a bit, not only in my business, but also when I do this podcast, which is this idea of judgment and being judged. Um, and I do believe that when we are badass, we it's not that we ignore judgment, but we see it for what it is. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about how you overcame the fear of judgment of your own people. I had to work on my own identity and it's um, unfortunately, I had to disown that identity in order to find myself because there was just so many things about being a Turkmen that did not align to who I was. And to me, like I call San Francisco my home. And I actually, when I did my calculations, I was like, oh, wow, I actually spent more of my lifetime in San Francisco than I did in Turkmenistan. Um, so yeah, like, I identify more with San Francisco than I ever will with Turkmenistan. And unfortunately I had to go from a place of, I am not Turkmen to find myself and say, you know what? I am Turkmen, American, but I don't have to, brush off the fact that I am Turkmen, even though I am also a very proud American. And I can share and tell my story my way, because I know for a fact, another Turkmen woman who is also an American will have a little similar yet different story than me. That's so beautiful and really powerful. It's a, a powerful reminder that it's okay to take aspects of our culture and own them, celebrate them and love them. And it's also okay to to leave some behind if, if you don't resonate with it, if it doesn't work for you. It's a big challenge for, I mean, I'm from Jamaica and I've lived in Canada for, you know, 50, oh my goodness, for almost 50 years. And there are things that I, I, I joke actually that when I go home, I'm totally Jamaican. When I go home for a visit, I'm totally Jamaican. When I'm here, I'm totally Canadian. Very proud of being Jamaican. And when I'm there, I'm very proud of being Canadian. But there are things that we adopt as being ours and we're comfortable. And there are things that, you know, we kind of shy away from. I'm curious, though, how your brother, you mentioned you've got a brother and, of course, your mom. How have they, how have they handled or reacted to your very obvious badassery when it comes to navigating being an American today? You know, they had a challenge for a really long time, I think up until I was um, 21. And then I had to have, um, as we call it at in my job, <laughs> in real estate now, come to Jesus talk. So we had to sit down and we had to have this conversation where I'm like, mom, 
brother. Um, I am 21 years old. And at this point, you cannot tell me what to do. And I'm pretty sure you guys know how rebellious I am. And I, I, I will admit, I get triggered when someone tells me something in a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, degrading way especially when it comes from family and it's jokes like hey woman get make me a sandwich right like it's those types of jokes right and in our culture in Turkmen culture that's it's not a joke like in American culture it's a joke because we kind of know it's it triggers the women right but no no in Turkmenistan it's actually a fact and they expect you to do it like now and if you don't they it's 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 okay for a man, especially if he's your husband, to it's okay for a husband to raise his hand on his wife. And the police in our in, in Turkmenistan, they, they they don't see that as a as abuse at all. It's it's he's just doing his duty as a husband. Um. So yeah, no, my my family they kind of accepted it, and they're just like we. It is what it is. Aya makes her own rules. We we're, we're just grateful she's here. <laughs> Oh, that's I, I love that. Do you ever go home? Say that again. Do you ever go home? No, I uh, I've uh, we've had a couple of issues uh, back home in terms of getting the visa and everything. Um, yeah, I would love to go back and visit. Uh, but I'm I'm happy where I'm at too. <laughs> no oh, comment. Beautiful. <laughs> well, that's fine. Um, I've only you know I didn't go home until I went back. I think once in my twenties maybe twice. And then I didn't go home for like 30 years. I've just started to go home in the last 15 years and bring my family. And it's actually quite funny because my kids who are Canadian are like, as soon as we get to Jamaica, they're like, Oh no, I'm Jamaican. I'm like, I love it. Oh, okay. They're the whitest Jamaicans you've ever seen. I love it. it, And it's good because I don't think Jamaica has any that many restrictions, right. To find, get a visa to like with dual citizenship. Right. Okay. Good. Uh, unfortunately, Turkmenistan does. So they actually give you that ultimatum, especially if you're an American, Turkmen American. Mm. Um, so I don't like that ultimatum. Again, one of the other things I don't like is just don't put me in the position where I have to choose. Give me a choice, period. But don't put me. Yeah. Sorry. No, Fair it enough. reminds me when I first, the very first time I flew home, I was in my mid 20s and of course, on my passport, my Canadian passport, it shows where I was born. And when I handed the passport over at the airport, going through security, they looked at me and said, oh, welcome home, darling. And I started to cry. Even get emotional just thinking about it. It was so beautiful. I was like, yes. You know, I was, I was 10 when I left. And I guess, you know, maybe 23 or 24 when I first, when I went back on my own. And they looked, mm-hmm. they just, they said that and it just was everything to me. It's beautiful. Yeah, it, was, it was lovely. Okay. You said, you mentioned where you are today. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the book. Then I want to talk about what you do for a living today. Um, let's talk, this book, how did this book come about? Um. So this book came about, so this book is based on my story of when I first hit depression and you know, I, I went through this whole journey of trying to find a good uh, healer, essentially. Um, and I couldn't find anybody. I've, you know, 
considered taking my own life figured you know if that's the case then might as well act like this is your second chance at life at this point pretend that you did die and you're living the best life of your life what does that look like and so that's where the journey of getting lost in the sauce and just creating the opportunities where I just allowed myself to follow the impulse as well as follow my desires as well as follow my dreams I allowed myself to follow those that path every single day almost and it evolved into this um sauce or like this recipe of like okay what does restarting your life look like reinventing yourself like um overcoming all of these negative emotions and these negative feelings that you may face throughout the day throughout your life um what does all of that look like and so that's how the book came about is how did i um find myself by allowing myself to get lost in the sauce get out of my own way get out of that judgment zone and just jump into this pool of unknown and go explore and enjoy life but like experience it while also being very specific that this is the thing i want to experience and i can go deeper if you want about what i mean by that first of all i want to say thanks for sharing and you've touched on something that I think so many of our listeners are going to appreciate and understand, which is it's tough being human and it's not easy. And anybody, you know, anybody who says it is, I don't think they were being honest and they may need some help with that. But what I loved about what you said was what I heard was you gave yourself, first of all, you recognize how you were feeling and many of my clients that I deal with, that's that's a hard thing for them because we've all been raised in a society that says, especially as women, don't talk back, don't be upset, get over yourself, get on with it, get a good job, meet a good man or a good woman, like all of these things, all of these must-haves. And along the way, many of us um, have just gotten into the habit of dampening down the feelings. So I love that you allowed yourself to feel, even though it hurts. You know, even though it hurts, it's so important to feel those feelings. But what I also heard was you gave yourself permission to play. And life can be very challenging, but that doesn't mean you can't have fun in the journey. So I'm curious, what type of what type of time frame did you give yourself? How long was this this opportunity of playing and and being very intentional with your choices and asking questions and learning about yourself was it a few months was it a few years yeah no it's a that's a this is a really great question thank you so much for the feedback um so I want to just I want to say because I think this is another long answer um when you first start setting a goal right so I I let me go into I want out the very first time I allowed myself to get lost in the sauce was um, when I had that, uh, come to Jesus talk with myself, right? Like, okay, this is my second time at life. What do you want to do? I want to do acting. Um, the last time I did acting was in Turkmenistan when I was a little girl, I had so much fun and thank you so much for saying that. Cause again, going to second life, I want to have as much fun as I, as I possibly can in the second life. Um, so acting was it for me. And when the whole journey started, I 
applied to school. I started attending classes, then signed up into casting networks and began to book my job and started to pick up momentum. Like the momentum started to pick up. I would get bookings left and right as a model, as an actor. And I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's feeding like this low self-esteem, low self-confident, depressed woman and feeding this this woman into building this like confident empowered Turkmen woman who I didn't even know I was I've always I knew that I had it in me but I never actually allowed myself to even feel it so as I started to pick up that momentum started to really feed myself energetically of just like giving all this fun uh, allowing myself to have fun I didn't realize at the time but when you give yourself time give yourself the opportunity to have fun it actually fills you up even more which gives you even more energy to have more fun like I didn't know the math um so I'm playing and I'm like okay this is great like I'm so confident in myself oh my god um so I was like all right and this is before COVID um so I'm like I'm gonna give myself three years I think I'm gonna hit LA so I'm having like this grand idea of what I'm gonna do as an actor as a model and then COVID hits and now I have to redirect my entire life goal, right? And first I had this vision, now I had to shift my um, shift my vision, shift my goals. I didn't even think I was going to be living in Charleston. I didn't even know Charleston, South Carolina even existed at the time when I was pursuing acting. I'm thinking I'm going to be in LA. I'm in San Francisco at the time. So what I'm trying to say is um, allowing myself to get lost in the sauce and though you may be um, so committed to like, okay, I'm going to give myself three years to explore this thing, it's shifted for me. And now it's like, okay, well, I'm going to give myself six months for this, or I'm going to do this and this. I'm going to give myself three months before I move and make this move. And so in 21, 2021, I made the goal that I was going to move to LA and I ended up moving to South Carolina instead, again, shifting my focus and constantly allowing myself to play by allowing myself to explore my um, impulsive, impulsive ideas that would appear in my life throughout the day. I'm like, okay, well, what would it be like to live in a completely new state by the beach? Nobody knows you. You're starting from scratch, literally. What does that look like? Do you want to go and just go and see what that's like, experience it? It's just like, yeah, let's go and do that. So it's just following that so I've been on this journey of getting lost in the sauce since 2019 that is all I can tell you about this long answer (laughs) um so so much fun and I think you know one thing that I really resonate with is what I heard was you gave yourself permission to listen to your intuition and not be mm, not be tied to any previous daydream and I think that's really smart because you know, all of these, I, I believe that we're spiritual beings having a human existence. And the closer we get to being our authentic self, the more the universe speaks to us and will bring us what we truly desire. But we have to be willing to look for it or we have to be willing to entertain the idea that this could be it. And I think that's a, a really strong component of being badass. And I'm please, people that are listening, I'm not saying that we should just change our mind willy-nilly and jump from here to there. Of course, we want to build a life that is fulfilling and makes sense and we've got other responsibilities. But recognizing that it is okay to pivot. If something's not working out for you, 
it's okay to pivot. In fact, I would say if something's not working out for you, you really do need to look at it because that's the whole idea behind being authentic is that if you're truly authentic, you're never, the chances of being, of having a happier life, a happy life, I think are greater than if we tamper down um, what it is that we really want. So, okay, you've moved. When you moved to Charleston, did you give yeah. up the idea of, of acting? I put it on hold. Okay. I took a break. Um, I didn't retire. I was just like, I'm taking a break. I want to see, um, this was COVID. So there weren't many uh, acting jobs at the time. And, and the jobs that were available in big cities like LA, San Francisco, New York, um, they all required COVID uh, shot. And I just was not, I one, I'm afraid of needles. Just I just did not want to uh, get boosted and just get, you know, I'm a no vaxxer. <laughs> okay, so that's fine. So you moved to Charleston. And what next? What next? Um, so I started actually writing more. I was I my first year, I finished my screenplay, my very first uh, screenplay. It's a feature play uh, for a film that I'm hoping to develop in the next few years. Um, I also started my marketing consulting firm as well as a business coaching firm and it was primarily geared towards actors and you know storytellers like uh, filmmakers artists but I just felt ingenuine and I did miss that human connection so I started to again kind of allow myself to explore what that looked like and at the time, my mom, she was in real estate. She was a, she's a real, residential realtor. And she just kept saying like, why don't you try real estate? Why don't you try real estate? And I was just like, I don't want real estate. I don't want to do re real estate. I don't want to sell homes. Like that is so boring. I don't want to look at homes. I don't want to sell homes. And um, I'm like, wait, what other kind of real estate is there? And I started to look into commercial and everything I'm learning about commercial as I'm looking into it, doing my own research, I'm just like, hey, this is literally everything in alignment to what I am currently doing is just in a different industry. And real estate or, or just any business in general, you have to have sales and marketing background, which is all, that's my experience. That is all I know what to do and how to do. I'm like, okay, then commercial real estate shouldn't be that hard. And so got my license and began doing commercial real estate and just been having the best time of my life. Okay. I want to know, you got to explain that because I am not into real estate at all. My mother-in-law is actually into real estate and to me, it's very dry. So I got to know, how is commercial real estate the best thing ever? I don't know. I love it so much. Um, so on the commercial side, it is more on the numbers. So we're really focused on looking at the financials. Um, oftentimes, you are serving, at least on my end with my team, we're serving uh, investors rather than the users, which are the business owners. So we're looking at the entire property, seeing how much um, income it's bringing in, um, cash flow that it's bringing in every year. And seeing if an investor is able to buy this property and maybe find different opportunities to um, increase the crash flow, increase the profits that they make every year. Well, 
I confess, I grew up, well, like many of us, grew up in the 70s and 60s and 70s, and Monopoly was like the game of choice. So I do understand what a great investment real estate is. But I want to go back to this because your face just lit up. For those of you that aren't watching the actual video of this podcast, when I asked her to explain her love of real estate that she's doing now, commercial real estate, the energy just went through the roof. Like she just grinned like a Cheshire cat and she's just, she went, fell back in her chair smiling, which I love to see. So what else is it about the work that you do today that feeds your soul? Well, I, I mean, I love the buildings. I think for me, it's the buildings themselves, um, especially the more distrust, the better. I don't know why. Um, when I see distressed properties, sometimes I get sad though, because I don't actually have a construction company. If I did, it'd be like perfect because I'm a visionary. So when I see a distressed property, I'm thinking like, oh my God, there's just so many different opportunities to put a business in there. You can do so many different things as a business owner, whoever that business owner is. So I'm constantly thinking of like future, future. Uh, opportunities of that building and the impact that it can make on a community like that to me is what gets me excited the fact that like my job impacts many people it's not just like one person it it impacts a lot of people and I had a play in that I, I got to be a part of that and I think that's an incredible experience that not a lot of people get to have so well, I love that. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I love what it is that I do as a coach is that, you know, I feel like I'm here to serve. And, you know, years ago, I didn't quite understand what it meant that way. You know, when people would say, oh, you should be in service, I didn't really quite understand. But I, I love hearing your description. And you're right, you are a visionary. I'm curious, though, if there is a connection, if you can, if you can make a bridge from your earlier learnings of how to stand up for yourself you know first in fourth grade and then when you came to America you had to learn again how to stand up for yourself especially as you didn't have you know the language the English language but has though have those skills translated into skills that you've needed today as you know as a commercial mm -hmm. realtor yeah absolutely absolutely um commercial real estate is definitely not an easy industry to break into there are a lot of top dogs who do bully the new dog or the the underdogs so when you do come across those you kind of have to put them in their place and you have to play nice because sometimes you will come across them you will do some transactions with those agents so it's better not to have those kind of um awkward experiences you know but at the same time I'm the type of person who's not gonna allow anyone to walk all over them um so yeah you just kind of have to stand up for yourself like commercial real estate out of all the industries like that's one where you really have to own yourself and stand up for yourself otherwise you'll get eaten now that you're in the commercial real estate business and loving it and you know doing such an amazing job is there still the dream? You mentioned that you've written a screenplay, but is there still the dream to act? Yes. Um, I'm so I feel almost like I would love to be the next Quentin Tarantino. And that's a big statement. And I 
I would it would be an honor if I would ever be the next Quentin Tarantino I don't think I ever will be but anyway uh, so what I love about Quentin Tarantino I'm not sure how familiar you are with him as a okay so I, I'm pretty sure everybody is um but what I love about him is at like I believe almost all of his movies he plays he he shows a shows up right like he has a cami um that's what I would love to do is just kind of have like one of those maybe background uh roles so that people know who I am but they I'm not the one who kind of steals the show um when I was first acting when I first embarked on the journey I was just like I want to be a lead I want to be a lead I don't even want to be supporting actor I just want to be a lead and I did I ended up being a lead at um for a feature film I had the worst like I don't want to say I had the worst experience of my life but it was definitely not pleasant um and I don't mind not being the lead <laughs> anymore because there's just so much pressure there's so much mental uh doubt that goes through your head um I would not wish that on anybody as much as I love it I'd rather just not be what, what I'm hearing is being the lead um comes with its own level of stress and opportunity for personal growth whether you're up for it or not I like to put things in a positive light but so you have had that experience and I think Quentin Tarantino is um, brilliant and love a lot of his films. So you've written a screenplay. Um, can I? Can you tell us about it? It's been so long. Um, I, I actually have so many outlines and so many ideas, so many drafts waiting to be touched by me. Um, but this is one that I feel proud to finish. It's. I'm hoping it. Hoping it'll be a trilogy. We'll see. Um, there's definitely a second version coming out, but the title of the uh, the screenplay is called Angel's Paradise. It's it's a spinoff of The Godfather, <laughs> but the um, modern version, and it's very heavily focused on women being the badass that they are. Okay, I am so intrigued now. I can't wait to learn more about this when you are ready to share it. So. I just want to make sure I've got everything here. You are a writer and you've got a book and, and folks just in, just know that I will drop in the show notes direct links that you can purchase her book. Um, so you're a writer. You're obviously a badass commercial realtor. Um, you're also an actress. Is there anything else creatively that you'd like to share with us? So I like to um, dance. I'm a freestyler. Um, I freestyled pretty much all of my life. So that's also another fun thing I like to do for fun. Mm. Yeah, I have a lot of passions and interests. Um, you know, I, I forgot to mention. So I wanted to be a Quentin Tarantino. Part of it is because I want to write my own uh, films. And I want to produce my own film and I want to direct my own film. So I'd rather be the person behind the scene rather than take, um, be the spotlight, right? Be in the spotlight. So. No, I think that's great. And I can see a parallel with what you do for a living right now is you're behind the scenes, but you know, commercial real estate, that's pretty, those are some big bucks and some big opportunity. And I look at you, you're grinning again. I just have to say the word commercial real estate and you start to grin and laugh. It's so beautiful. I love it. Yeah. 
But I, I do see the similarities between, you know, making a difference in the world, whether it is through your writing or through negotiating and navigating commercial real estate sale, where you can perhaps affect a community with a rebuild or a redo or a, re, or a new vision. Those are big things. And to translate that into the film industry as a producer, director, writer, all of those things. I mean, I do see a connection there. And I, for one, can't wait to say, oh, my gosh, I met her when. Oh, I know her. Let's go to her movie because I know we're friends. I am so excited for you. Um, I'm curious, though. One of the things that I like to do on this podcast is, well, there's a couple things. If you were to be able to speak to fourth grade Aya today, what would you say to her? after this beautiful journey that you've gone through, you you have gone through a lot, but you're in a really great place now. What would you say to her? Um, I would, I'm laughing because it's almost uh, ironic um, because that's one thing I hate um, is keep the anger to yourself, like keep it in, don't let it out uh, because I'm a burst. Once you get me angry, especially at, when I was in fourth grade, I was, I was a very angry kid um so I, I would really be out there um so really just tell myself keep it all in it's okay like not to express yourself like you don't need to <laughs> you don't need to show people the crazy side of you um and the reason why I'm laughing right because in my culture again it goes back to don't don't talk right don't show yourself don't be yourself don't even tell people who you are um so I think it's funny and ironic um that I'm saying this to myself because throughout my lifetime I think me getting pissed off and getting triggered because of my Turkmen culture um um and the way it was um and how I disagreed with it it um triggered I allowed it to trigger me so I, I guess essentially what I'm trying to say is one don't show that you're being triggered and I know for a, a kid at who's in fourth grade that's very difficult to do but do your best little girl well I think I, I felt myself talking along there and I felt myself saying honey you have no idea how amazing life is going to be for you so don't fret don't fret this little stuff you don't have to you don't have to show it all because pretty soon you're going to be living the life of your dreams so beautiful. yeah it's it's I wish um, I wish I knew at a younger age where it, it, impressions really do matter um, and how you react and the impressions you leave with other people do matter too because every one of us, all the strangers, they all have a different memory of us. Um, so just having that impression of like, oh, she's not crazy. <laughs> she's not easily triggered and she's not just this crazy angry person. Mm -hmm. um, I think that would make would be helpful but now I'm, I'm just about to unpack some uh a whole new worms that were just yeah so I don't even want to go in there <laughs> but I think it's really interesting that for every action and we've heard this all our lives for every action there's a reaction and for every for every how do I want to say this 
there are processes and tools that can take us forward. And I believe there are processes and tools that can take us backward. And part of being human is navigating when is it best to do it, to use this or to think this or to do this. And there is no, it's not, it's never black and white. And you just proved that by saying, wow, I'm going to go back and say to my younger self exactly what I was so upset about. But now that I'm an adult, I realize that I didn't have, it didn't have to be that hard. I didn't have to be so vocal. I could have, you know, given myself permission to sort of tone it down a bit or so bottom line, we are very complicated beings. Right? We don't come while I believe we're spiritual beings having a human existence, we still have to go through the lessons and we still have to make the choice for ourselves. Speaking of choices, what are some things that you do on a regular basis you think that help you to feel badass? I want to make sure my listeners have some more takeaways because not everybody's going to want to get into real estate, you know, me for sure. But how how are you being how are you being badass on a regular basis, do you think? Allowing myself to feel the feelings. So going back to that anger was um, when I feel angry or when I'm feeling disappointed, when I'm feeling something, I allowed myself to just sit there and feel that emotion. That's uh, That actually helped me find the inner badass that was in there somewhere. And sometimes when you're feeling sad or when you're feeling like frustrated, um, for me personally, if I have these like high intense emotions at the moment, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to reflect on them or breathe, meditate. And then through that, if it's through meditation or just quiet time, I will find that inner voice within myself that it's like, you know, you're not, you're here, you are sitting and doubting yourself, going through like making this list of things of why you suck do you really believe this? Like, like, let's, let's be real, you know? So again, having, allowing myself to feel the feelings. So then I can go and through the, go through that journey of feeling the feelings, even if, if that means five minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, whole day, doesn't matter, right? Every uh, experience is unique in its own way. But through that experience, I allowed myself to then find that inner badass. So that's just allowed myself to get lost in the sauce. That's it. So beautiful and so poignant and so true. So, I mean, badassery in my world is all about being authentic, being you. Sometimes I ain't very happy. Sometimes I'm very silly. Sometimes I am afraid. And sometimes I can get lost in that fear. And what I say to myself and what I'll say to clients is, it's okay to feel it. You don't have to live there, though. Right? You don't have to live there. And just because you feel it doesn't make it true. Right, this big difference. So I love that you've just brought this all home in that for you, all your life, it sounds like you've worked really hard to feel the feelings, whether it was anger, disappointment, um, fear, confusion, creativity, whatever it is, give yourself permission to feel it and make a decision. If this works for you, okay. If it doesn't work for you, that's okay too, right? That's okay too, because however you are is great. Yes, exactly. Very nice. Fantastic. Well, we are going to uh, be sure, folks, I'm going to put in my show notes how you can connect with her. I would love for you all to get her book. Um, and thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a really, a really beautiful conversation. And like I said, I'm going to walk down the red carpet as your friend one day 
to one of your movies and it'll be a ton of fun. But I do, I do wish you all the best. And thank you again for joining us, everyone, for joining us today on this episode of The Art of Badassery. Love to get some feedback, love to get some comments on this episode. And if anybody is in the Charleston area looking for some support to purchase and or sell commercial real estate, you know who to go to. My name is Mahara, and this has been The Art of Badassery. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to The Art of Badassery. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights to help unleash your inner badass. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave a rating or review on your favorite platform. Your feedback not only helps me improve the show, but it also helps others like yourself discover the podcast. Until next time, keep embracing your authenticity and living life on your terms. Here's to you. Thank you.